0: Hello and welcome to the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite podcast with me, Laura Linklater, the podcast for thoughtful, conscious-minded parents who want to break the cycles from their difficult childhood, end the cycles of arguing or disconnect in their family relationships and unlock the dream parent inside them so they can show up for their family and for themselves from a place of love and joy. Hi there, welcome to the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite podcast. We're on, I think we're on episode 16, and today I'm sharing with you a concept from a book called The Power of Showing Up. Now, unfortunately, I don't have this book because many of you know that we world school our children and we are currently in Vietnam. So one of the things that's really difficult for us to get is English language books, or at least English language books that don't cost £80 (laughs) because they're not imported in from America through some interesting shuffle of, I'm not even sure what, but anyway, it costs a lot. So I have it on my uh, Kindle and my, no, I have it on my Kobo app, I have both now. And uh, yeah, it means I can't show you the, the title, but it's called The Power of Showing Up and there will be a blog post review of it. the next few days but i wanted to share with you the main four so the main crux of the book is and the main four things the four s's which i I talked about in the show notes and like i said i'm going to do more talking about this because for me it's such a great way of sharing the good news story so it's called the power of showing up because what it's really, really clear about, and I should say that Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson are both child development specialists. Dan Siegel is uh, an MD, so a medical doctor, and I've seen lectures with him, obviously not in real life, um, you know, online ones where we dig it through Zoom, through a Gabor. The most recent, I don't know if you've seen, there's a, a wonderful film that you probably got, you can get access to if you poke around on in the internet. If you type in the power, of, no, the wisdom of trauma, uh, a film by Gabor Maté and Dan Siegel is one of the speakers in the lecture series that accompanies this book and he talks just incredibly fluently and clearly about developmental trauma. So he's a medical doctor who has specialised in, develop- in developmental trauma and developmental psychology and Tina Bryson is, or Dr Tina Bryson, is, uh, she has a PhD in the field. Of, uh, of education and child development and growth, like biopsychological growth. So how the brain grows in relation to how it is, I guess if you think of it as a plant, like watered in early childhood, uh, what some of the issues might be and what the processes are of, of how children's brains grow. So in short, they know their stuff <laughs> and they're brilliant because this book is written yes they write academic texts yes they have academic books and they both have a string of papers to their name but this book is written for a normal person like me and you (laughs) and it's it's written in a sense that if you want to go deeper so you know for example when i read it they do quote the papers and you can go and look it up and you can go further or you can take it as it is knowing that you trust the source and this for me is really really important because so much of what is out on the internet about parenting and about education and about children is I mean we'll know this many of us uh, people talk about it all the time in, in the Facebook group and on other Facebook groups about you know that received wisdom well it didn't do me any harm or oh well you know it worked for everybody in the 80s and and the, kind of the thing is that it, it, it didn't and research has shown that it, it didn't and the children not being seen and not having their needs met isn't good for them and it's quite clear that although although there are many many different ways that we can interact with our children essentially there is a, a better way and a less good way to parent your kids we we do know this <laughs> we know that shouting in children's faces all the time is not good for them we know that hitting children is assault it's bad for them and <laughs> and there are papers backing this up so it can sometimes feel a bit scary because we know that there are certain things, and I'm saying this as a parent of three, and somebody who's worked with families for you know nearly two decades, and somebody who's read a lot and learned a lot and and studied child development and, and education, that we know there are some things that we should do, and we know there are things that we shouldn't do, and we also know that we can't be perfect all the time. You know, as, as people say, I'll have to find the quote for you that you did know, that famous quote of. I was a great parent before I had children (laughs) and I absolutely was, you know, I was working with families and I could see, I could see the things that were happening and sometimes I did get a little bit frustrated and I found it hard to, you can sympathise but you can't really empathise I don't think until you're in the shoes. And then when I had three children under three, and I knew that there were certain things, well, there were under three and a half, I knew there were certain things that I should be doing and certain things that I I shouldn't be doing. And I was, well, the most tired that I've ever been in my entire life, which is unsurprising. And I know that that, I'm sharing that story because I know that that is replicated, uh, well, across cultures and across the world. You have babies, you're really, really tired. Your thought processes are impaired. Because you're exhausted and not exhausted in a, I stayed up all night partying or I stayed up all night working and then the next day I'm tired. But, you know, the bone deep of months and months and months of sleep deprivation, plus running a house, plus people going back to work if they choose to or, you know, feel they have to. You know, there's so many things going on, plus relationship dynamics, plus you have to go to, to groups and things, COVID aside. We're trying to do the best for our children. You know, we're exhausted and we're trying to be a village. And I talked about that in different areas. So you can, you know, by all means, scroll through the podcast and you can get that one. So the really, really great thing about the power of showing up, this book, is is that it just says, you know, what we need to do, and this is borne out through the research, is show up. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to show up to everything, every single time do need to show up and you know if you if you're really tired or you're really upset and you whatever has set you off something has made you maybe you shouted maybe you leaned into issuing a threat because you you had to get out the door because you had a really really important meeting at work and there are huge ramifications if the children don't do the thing that you need them to do and you've done what I call pulling rank where you've you've taken the power, you've weighed the power these are and said, you know what, I'm bigger than you, so just do it. We know, in our hearts, we know that we, we didn't really do that regularly. If you're going to do it every now and then so that you don't miss a flight or a train or so that you don't get sacked, then, you know, this is, this is part of life. Mm-hmm. And this is born out, one, through the research and two, in the book, The Power of Showing Up. Uh, Siegel and Bryson talk about this uh, they talk at the start about the myth of, of perfectionism and sometimes because we are trying to be perfect especially cycle breaker parents who know what it's like to be on the other side of this upsetting confusion of you know is my parent there for me are they not or or the outright you know there's no confusion like they're not good for me and they're scary but if you know what it's like to be on that side then you're going to try and break the cycle and go the other way. But within that, you are going to be human. You are gonna mess it up. You are gonna raise your voice. You are gonna put your foot down and later think, oh maybe I shouldn't have and that's fine. That's the wonderful thing. And another thing that, that that Bryson and Siegel talk about is that it's it's the long view. And it's very interesting because this is also a view that was taken by Joanne Roach who did can't remember which number it is, but it's the podcast about how to get your children to eat vegetables and fruit. It, it was really, really interesting. And she had said and and it was so it was so powerful that I pulled it out as the as the sound bite that I share when I introduce the podcast to the world. And she said, Do you know what if your kids eat you know, if, if somebody's sick or if you're tired or if there's a lot going on and your kids eat a lot of say junk food or oven pizza or something like that for a few days it's okay it's okay because in the whole time that they've been with you you know by the time they leave your home when they're they're grown adults there will have been thousands upon thousands upon thousands of healthy meals with you and, and it's about the global, the general idea. So yeah, just like you're allowed to eat junk food, I mean, nobody can tell you what you're allowed or not, but you know, if, if it's a nice way of thinking about it, just like it's okay to eat junk food every now and then, it is actually okay to 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 lose it or to say, do you know what, I don't actually really feel like playing with anyone today because mommy needs a rest or, or that kind of thing, it is okay. In the general scheme, because, There will be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of interactions. You can't be perfect in all of them. And I always say this, if we are perfect as parents, then our children learn that they must be perfect. And we know how hard it is for us when we've tried, as not even just as parents, as humans, anybody who has tried to be perfect and tried to do something consistently for a long period of time at the highest bar that you set, It's not fun, and it's the path to burnout, and and we don't want that for our children, and I don't want that for you. So don't feel like you have to be perfect, because you don't. So onto the four S's. So there was that one brilliant thing of, you don't have to be perfect, take it in the global. And when when you argue, when you shout, when, I say when because it's it's kind of inevitable. <laughs> we can't be a font of patience whilst being pushed to the end of our physical limits, especially if you just say just given birth and then you have a two-year-old at home, you're never gonna be able to be at your best at that time. Uh, so it's about, this is the other thing that, that Siegel and Bryson talk about, about the rupture and repair model. And I will do a whole podcast on that. The rupture and repair, so rupture is in like a tear, a break, And then the repair. Actually, the repair makes it stronger. So not only is it good for us to occasionally snap, it gives us the opportunity. It's because it gives us the opportunity. It's good because we're showing we're not perfect. And it's good because we get to model, okay, you can have a bad day or a bad morning. You can apologize and you can come back. You are still loved. You are still safe. You are still cared for within this family. This is how they learn it from us. And they learn to give themselves grace so we have that so don't worry about messing up don't worry about being perfect it's the we're playing the long game here of course we playing the long game and uh, the four S's these are so great they are to be safe I've got them on a note of paper uh, so to be safe seen soothed and secure I'm gonna write more about it in the blog and I really really recommend that you read the book I'm currently producing uh, on the blog page, I'm currently producing a resources and books guide so that you can just you know, go in. Because I know that I talk about a lot. Any research papers that I reference, I try and get the PDF so you can at least read the abstract if you, know, you can't log in to, to to JSTOR or you know the academic uh, the, the source of the papers. Because you can't always just get them on. You know, not everything's on Google Scholar. Though a lot is so i'm going to recommend if if i quote a research study i will try my hardest to get the pdf and to link that and when i quote a book i will always give you the link to the book so to be safe is to be safe uh, it's about feeling safe and being safe because in mammals in mammals we are hardwired in the young years hardwired to go to the adults for safety it's built in. It is an evolutionary process. Young needs, in, in mammal life, the young pups, cubs, children need adult care. They're completely reliant when they're born, which isn't true in, in all species in, in the animal kingdom, but, but it's true of (laughs) mammals so they're hardwired and the ones that haven't sought it you know throughout history you know like long history haven't survived because you need to rely on a parental figure to get you milk to get you food this is this is just a truth and this is where the I'm going to do a different podcast on all about attachment I think I'm going to turn it into a whole workshop because it's huge it, it's where we have this as adults we need to not only make our children be safe as in safe from the absence of saber-toothed, tiger, saber-toothed tigers or falling down the stairs When you think about baby proofing that is our job because if we don't do it a 10 month old baby who is just learning to crawl and roll may well fall down the stairs because they haven't developed the skills and the understanding to forward plan and to think ahead and to understand risk. I mean, they learn by falling. So we create a space where they can do it in a safe place. You know, So they maybe fall off a, a cushion onto the floor. They, they learn about things like gravity that way, not by falling down the stairs. That's why we have stair gates. And it's our responsibility as adults to keep them safe. It's like things I remember saying many years ago, you know, in that time before, being a parent, oh, I'm not doing reins; they don't look very good. I'm not sure about how comfortable I feel. And then I had two kids who would run into the road if they're <laughs> so we, good. So we had rains, you know, the little backpacks. We had a bumblebee with, their, with the reins on the back. And they really liked it and I really liked it. And it meant that they could walk with me on the pavement and not run into the road. Why? Because it's my job to keep them safe because they are not cognitively able To process the risks of running into the road, and so it's our job to keep them safe. But it's also our job to make them feel safe from us. What do I mean by that? I mean it's our job, yes, to keep them uh, physically safe and to make sure they brush their teeth so that you know that their body is safe and and things like that, and and eat healthy food so that they they grow in a safe way. And it's uh, it's our jobs not to be scary. I'm going to refer to the start of this podcast where I mentioned that it's okay to mess up. It's okay to bark. It's okay to you know to be cross sometimes. It's okay to pull rank if you're going to miss a plane. You, you know sometimes, particularly when you have more than one child. When you have one child, you're a bit more able to sit and take some time. You know, If they don't want to leave the park and they're crying and, and they're very upset, you are able to sit with them and to work it through and to really listen to all of their feelings and come to a conclusion together. When you have two, three or four children, and if you were to do that with one child, the other ones are unsafe because you have your back to them and they're running about and you actually need to be home at a certain point it's not always a luxury you have so it's not about meeting everybody's entire needs all the time and again like i said it's not about being perfect but it's about when we think about things like alcohol abuse a parent under the influence of alcohol or drugs may quite possibly will present with some scary behavior even if they're not even if they're not shouting at the child, even if they're not uh, attacking the child or anybody else in front of them, just that behavior, which is not normal, I'm doing inverted commas here uh, for people listening on the podcast and not watching on the YouTube video. It it so challenges the norm to see a parental figure who we are hardwired to see as safe and strong and stoic and always there and the rock because we're mammals, for a four, five, six-year-old to see a parent stumbling around, muttering to themselves, maybe knocking things over and being really erratic, maybe being extremely emotional because their inhibitions are lowered because they're, they're, they're high or, or past the point of intoxicated to be able to control themselves, then that's scary for the child. So behaving in that strange way is upsetting to the child. And it makes them feel unsafe. And when, when we think about the stress, um, uh, for for people listening on the podcast, I'm doing like a mountain with my hands here because we have normal stress, tolerable stress, we could call it, which is, you know, say you have a test or a presentation, or or even for a child, they, maybe they fall off their bike, or they're trying really hard writing something and it's not working. And so their stress levels peak, they get higher, and then they're they they are soothed which is another s which i'll come to and they're able to calm their stress levels down on the other side of mounting uh stress and then ah this is normal stress this is tolerable stress and it's actually helpful for our bodies as we grow and it's helpful for children and adults to see and to learn you know not everything is perfect life is not sunshine and rainbows there will be stressful times and i have the power and the support from those around me i am safe when I experience hard things, because it will be okay. I you know, there will be obstacles in my life and I can surmount them. I can come out the other side. So there's safe. So there's safe from the world and from outside stresses and you know from being unhealthy and things and safe from us being erratic because that in itself is a is a form of trauma. When we are not feeling safe because our our parental behavior is such that it challenges the, the order of things that children should be able to come to expect they talk more about this in the book as well so you can if you want to know more information either email me or send me a message through the the cycle Breaker Parent night facebook group and uh yeah so that that itself is a form of trauma uh so yeah that's about being safe from the world and from us doesn't mean being perfect it just means in general uh seen is the other one and that is feeling seen and being seen now this doesn't mean you know as in like literally like I see you I'm a helicopter parent I'm going to stand over you in the playground and make sure you don't fall over more to come on the views of an occupational therapist working with children and risk more to come on that on a different podcast I'm very passionate about that it's, uh, it's one of the reasons that we home educate and we spend, when we're not in lockdown, we spend the vast majority of our time outside hanging off trees. <laughs> it's really good for them. So I'll talk to you more about that. So about being seen is about being seen as in your authentic self. I like to think of it as you, we have our, our golden nugget, nugget of self. Uh, In in Arabic, we call it the nokta, the the nokta of yourself, like the core. And we place layers around on top. You know, I can't be too loud or or, I must do this. I must do that. I must get good grades in order to be worthy. I must be, uh, I must not challenge in this situation. I talk about that a lot as well because when we go through the healing process, often what we realize is that we have these subconscious stories and messages And they are from our childhood, where we have had our authentic selves, hasn't been seen, and we have layered on artifice on top, out of survival. If we were told that we were too loud and then bad things happened when we challenged a parental figure, we learned not to challenge them. Or perhaps we learned to go all out and to be very violent and to have huge responses in order to protect ourselves, survival. If we learned at school not to speak up, then that's another layer that we have. And we unpick them when we're adults and we do the healing. So to be seen for a child is to have this golden nugget seen by their parent. And it's it's not just to have it seen, it's for them to know that it is seen. So we need to communicate with our children. I see you, I love you, I hear you. Now, what does that look like? In actual life, it sounds like, Saying to your children in the morning, well, well, anytime really, I tend to say it to my children at night time because I know that they're very suggestible so things will go in and uh, and I will say to them as I'm stroking their hair or, or you know holding them when they go to sleep, I'll say, I love you for who you are and it's that thing of for who you are and you're just right exactly as you are. This is learning. I see you, you are seeing and it's when they're talking to us and sometimes it's the big things about how they're feeling, about their worries. Sometimes it's the small things about how Batman brushes his teeth with a black and yellow toothbrush. <laughs> That's a quote from my morning. Uh, you may be able to hear my children outside the other side of the room. They are fine with their daddy, by the way. Uh, it's just because we're locked down, so I'm hiding, <laughs> I'm hiding in the room. And it looks like listening, wholehearted complete if you have your phone or a book or something in your hand put it down show them that's what it looks like so it sounds like effectively these are positive affirmations aren't they i love you i see you you're important to me and then when your children say things it's giving them a space to to challenge you i I did a, a a video the other day about my my daughter who and i hadn't realized this was a thing and it was really good because well it was painful but it made me reflect that she spilled something and i'd had this big reaction i was like oh no another spill oh come on can't you be more careful because i was very very tired <laughs> and uh, and she said when we were reading this book it was um one of the orchard reading books biff and chip and kipper if you know it which i'm sure you do and, and it was where somebody spilled something and the mom said no fuss tidy up the mess and she'd said I wish you were like this when when we spilled things because you get really upset and I realised that she was right and that was really it was really painful so off I went to go and journal it later on after they'd gone to bed and and I remember actually that it was a really really big thing in my life so for me to show her you know when I was young we weren't allowed to spill things under any circumstances and 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 that's where my anxiety about spilling stuff came from. Because truly, I don't really mind as long as we wipe it up. <laughs> so it was a really good starting point. And for for her, the next time because we have three kids, uh, the next time something was spilled, I said exactly the words from the book: never just clean it up." And she sort of looked at me with these big eyes. I said, "I heard you, and I listened to you." And i'm really happy that you said that because it made me think and that's how i'm going to respond from now on that's showing that you've seen them that you've listened to them or saying things like if somebody's upset it looks like or it sounds like saying i see that's important to you now you might feel strange speaking like this to your eight-year-old ten-year-old five-year-old three-year-old however old because it's It's not a normal way that we speak to people. And then when you really think about it, why isn't it a normal way that we speak to our children? When we see that something is important to them, perhaps their toy is broken and they're very, very sad. And merely the act of saying, I see you're really upset that your Pokemon thing, (laughs) don't even know what to call it. I see you're really upset that your Pokemon toy got broken. That in itself, is a way of showing your child feels seen by you and that's very powerful so safe seen the third one is soothed now we already touched on this because here's the interesting thing is they all go together a little bit so to be soothed is when you think of that stress level going up so say excuse me that let's have a drink so say the stress levels go up because somebody's falling off their bike and they come in and they're, they're very, very upset. And we hold them. We stroke them. We tend to their needs, their physical needs of putting a plaster on or wiping a wound or whatever, or, you know, rubbing the grave. And we hold them and we tell them it's going to be okay and they're safe now. And that is soothing. So the stress levels have gone up and then we have assisted the stress levels in calming down. This is essentially what soothing is. It's supporting them to come down to a more regulated state because children are not born able to regulate their emotions. It's why Cry It Out is, well, controversial in, in one way, but but it's also been shown many, many times that it doesn't soothe. The the idea of a child, certainly a baby, who self soothes isn't... thing it doesn't happen children young children and babies need support to soothe themselves because what they don't learn is how to soothe themselves what they learn is nobody's coming and then they stop crying that's not what we want for our babies we want our babies to know that they're safe I say this as a mom of three who is still soothing boys and I don't <laughs> it's and and some days some days it feels a lot and some days I have to then go and have sleep in the daytime when that's possible you're probably laughing because isn't that wonderful if we can and you know often we can't but in some days I have to go to bed at 8 p.m it's, it's not the most fun thing ever is it that the nighttime wake up and essentially now they just climb into our bed and they go to sleep and, and I'm fine with them I know everybody will have their different ways, that's just our experience. So, about soothing is when you're scared or you're sad, and when they need something emotionally or very, very angry and they need support to calm down, and we use anger-releasing techniques. Actually, sometimes it's not all about techniques and learning skills. I know I talk about healing plus skills as the parent that you want to be. Not everything needs a skill. In fact quite often being seen when we I talk about acknowledging feelings being seen is what helps them soothe so saying you are really angry about that is sometimes enough in fact often enough for a small child to go yeah I am it's really annoying i hear you have a biscuit that is try it honestly try it it it's it's quite shocking when it works (laughs) and it does work more often than you think the acknowledging the feelings is incredibly powerful so uh, that's being soothed and and it ties in with being secure so safe seen soothed and secure secure meaning that we want our children to have a secure attachment to us I am going to do a whole series on attachment and attachment theory and what it means for uh, people with adverse childhood experiences and who are the cycle breakers, really, and, uh, and how your attachment style as a child influences your attachment style as an adult. So there is more of that coming and there isn't space here and this is already a half an hour long podcast so secure is about our children basically feeling all of the other three things safe seen and soothed on a regular basis and what happens is that they grow being secure in themselves and secure in their relationship with you now even if they have another parent who isn't making them feel safe but they have one parent who does make them feel safe and protected from that other influence, they are still likely to grow up with a secure attachment to one adult. Now, if you can have a secure attachment to both parents within the home, isn't that like, you know, wonderful? It doesn't mean that if you're divorced that you're not gonna have that and you're failing your children. I know people often worry about relationship breakdown. If your child has a secure relationship to dad and a secure relationship to mom or mom and mama or whoever you know however your family lives that the, the, the value of the secure relationship is seismic in its foundation for your child's life so to be secure is essentially without going too much into it a secure attachment is gives the child the opportunity to develop the neural pathways in those first seven years of life, birth to seven, where they basically learn, I am safe, I am important, I am seen, I have views, I'm allowed to have views and those views are important, this is what being seen is. So I'm safe, I'm seen and I will be soothed, which links to being safe doesn't it as well. Everything's going to be okay. Does it mean everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows? It means everything's going to be okay and the world is an okay place and people are good and I can be happy here. This is what they grow up with when they're secure. When they have an insecure attachment, there are lots of different types of insecure attachment, but essentially so secure, insecure for now. When they have an insecure attachment, they grow with the neural pathways of Especially if they haven't been soothed then you say that stress level's gone up and it's never been soothed back down again. And it just stays high and high and high because the child is probably rightly in survival mode. It's not right that it's happened, but it's sensible if you have uh, if your house is a dangerous place or if your parental figures are fearful figures. It makes sense that you are always hyper alert, hyper vigilant, watching to see if they're in a bad mood or a good mood when they come home. That kind of thing. Or constantly alert for can I get food? Am I going to be safe? Can I have some clothes? How do I get washed? These things that the children shouldn't have to deal with and sometimes do. It makes sense that they aren't soothed because it's not safe for them to be soothed. Because if they let down their guard and they run into the room of a volatile adult and they're shouting and screaming and playing and singing, that may set the adult off, particularly if they are not in control of themselves because perhaps they substance abuse or, uh, or they're having a bad day or they're in, in a low if they're emotional, if they have a mental illness at home. So it makes sense that that child can't be soothed and therefore has an insecure attachment. And they learn, they build the neural pathways of not safe. Not safe. People are sometimes violent or volatile. I am not worthy. I should not speak my truth. This is what they learn as they grow. This is the the cost of the insecure attachment. And here's the wonderful thing, because that's quite dark, isn't it? in order for our children to be, oops, heard of one of mine has just fallen over and been picked up. Sorry about the noise. Uh, in order for our children to have the secure attachment, we don't have to be perfect. We have to show up, and we have to keep trying. This is this is it. We have to try our best to keep them safe. We have to try our best to say you matter to me, you're important to me. I mean, the power of that kind of that kind of word, of hearing that kind of thing reliably over your entire childhood well it's foundational and it's incredible and it's transformational so being safe seen and soothed it's as simple as giving them a hug when they're sad and saying I'm here for you and you can say those words I'm here for you they'll learn it by your actions and yes they'll learn it by your words and this leads up to them to being secure safe seen soothed and secure so Hopefully you've learned a lot. There was a lot in there. It wasn't supposed to be quite so long and in-depth. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, I really, really recommend this book. It's uh, it's an easy read. It's not too... It, it is based in science, and like I said, they will quote They quote the their papers, and they quote other books. There's footnotes at the back so that you can go into more depth. And you can just read it as is. It's just really simple, very, very clear writing, which you don't always get in uh, in parenting books in in any psychology book to be honest so yes i fully wholeheartedly recommend it now if this has thrown up some stuff for you if you want to talk my email is always in the show notes and you can join us over in the facebook group Unite, and you can share your thoughts there thank you so much for your time and i look forward to seeing you next week If you've enjoyed this episode, please do make sure that you subscribe so that you get future episodes delivered to you. And I would love it if you were able to leave a review because these things really do matter. If you'd like to know more, I am going to extend a really warm invite to you to join us over on Facebook in the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite group. The links are all in the show notes and you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook.